0: Welcome to the VU Church Podcast. Many of us desire to change and improve. We long for this year to be better than last. Yet resolutions without renovation are worthless. Finding our soul starts with recognizing where we are. Today, Pastor Rich Wilkerson Jr. continues our collection of talks, Happy, Healthy, Holy. In this message, lost soul. To discover collection resources, visit voochurch.com/happy. Now let's lean into the message together.
1: Today's day seven of twenty-one days of prayer and fasting. When the church starts praying, God starts speaking. Amen. And uh, we are in a collection of talks entitled "Happy, Healthy, Holy." losing the world and gaining your soul. And today is part two, someone say part two. And what I wanna try to attempt to do today is what I've realized about people is that many times the greatest obstacle to our spiritual formation is an inability or an unwillingness to recognize exactly where we are. And so today, uh, part two of this collection, I I wanna preach from the subject, lost soul, lost soul. And um, I believe that as we get through this content today, that is gonna lay a great foundation once again for the weeks to come. Next week's gonna be a little bit more preachy. Today's a little bit more teachy. In fact, I believe uh, as you start the new year, you might as well take some notes because research tells us that 99% of people who take notes get into heaven automatically, okay? So... (laughs) Today, you might wanna take some notes. Lost soul is what we're calling today's message. Thank you, Fed, you're incredible. Um, Every year for the last three years, I always start the year with this little trip that I call it my wilderness week. And uh, this actually began in 2020 when we were studying the Gospel of Mark as a church. And my wilderness week is sort of uh, this time that I take a few guys uh, away and we go out into AKA the wilderness. Now, when I say the wilderness, it's a state park and um, the bathroom's not too far away, praise God. (laughs) I'm from Miami. And, um, And it really was birthed out of a moment where I was wanting to go deeper into God's presence. And I was beginning to study things like spiritual practices, things like solitude, things like meditation, things like fasting, leave it to me, right? Like, I invite people for my solitude trip. You know, that's totally me, right? Like, that's when you know you're an extrovert. Hey, do you wanna go and do solitude with me? Um, So every year I've taken a few guys and we go out into Georgia and we do a wilderness weekend. Honestly, it's been one of the greatest, um, one of the greatest things I've done for my soul, for my soul. Uh, The days are very long. We start at six in the morning and every hour is accounted for until we go to bed that night. The days are filled with reading, prayer, silent solitude, and a whole lot of hiking because we're getting our body into it. And every day we'll hike anywhere from 10 to 13 miles. And day one this past year, we were in Georgia, and we had some new guys on the trip. And we are kind of in the second half of our day. And uh, our first year going there, we discovered this waterfall. Now, I gotta be careful as I say waterfall because I've come to figure out that it's not a real waterfall. It's actually... um, sewage water that falls over a little embankment. But yo, I've never seen a waterfall, so I'm like, it's a waterfall. And every year now, our third year going, it's sort of like one of these places that we love to go and like, let's go to the waterfall. And I don't know about you, but like, I'm pretty good with directions, or at least I think I am. And so we got there, we started hiking, and I was telling the guys, I was like, guys, you know, I'm the leader, so trust me. Um, I wanna take you to the waterfall. Get ready, God's gonna speak to you at the waterfall, and um, we started going, and we we're you know, 20 minutes on the trail, and one of the guys is like, Rich, I don't think this is right. I said, trust me, I know where we're going, I'm taking you to the waterfall. And we went another 15 minutes, another guy was like, hey man, I think we're off course. I said, bro, I know where I'm going, trust me. Anyone like me, the more lost you get, the more confident you become, Like my ego starts to be at play. I'm like, stop, I got this, I got this, you know? We're now 45 minutes in and like everyone's like, Rich, we don't know where we are. I said, guys, trust me, I know where I'm headed. It was right about that time when all of a sudden I see lightning up in the sky and I hear that thundering sound and rain begins to fall. We are in the middle of nowhere, and all I can hear in the back of my mind is that old 1990s TLC song. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lakes like you're you. Conviction hit me because I had to go, guys, uh, I don't know where we are. <laughs> and we are now in a storm. How many of y'all know it's one thing when you can't find your destination, it's another thing when you have to come to terms with, I don't know how to get home. We were so lost and I had no idea how to get back to the camp. We didn't know where we are. Our cell phones were barely working. We're trying to get GPS going the entire trip. We're supposed to leave our cell phones. Thank God one of the guys broke the rules, had a cell phone. It's it's. Thundering, it's lightning, rain is following, and we don't know where we are. How many all know? It's really hard to get home if you don't actually know where you are. And I suppose today, as we're on this part two of this collection, I just want to start by asking you a question. Do you know where you are? Are you happy? Are you healthy? Have you even asked yourself the question starting this year? Am I holy? Am I soul good? Because if you don't even know where you are, it's very hard to try and get to the place that you're called to be. And today, I wanna, I wanna start with that premise. I wanna talk about your soul. I wanna get to the heart of who you are. This collection is not about just adding a bunch of to-dos, but rather it's examining who we are on a soul level. Let me just remind some people out there, you are a soul. I love what George McDonald said. He said, uh, you don't have a soul, you are a soul. You have a body. The soul is the realest thing about you. Pierre Teilhard said it this way. He said, we are not human beings having a spiritual experience. We are spiritual beings having a human experience. The realest you is your soul. But as we talked about last week, which I think sometimes in church, we can just sort of preach at people and it kind of just goes over our head. The revelation that we must work out of is this, is that you can't manage what you don't understand. And so many of us, we have no idea, what does that mean, I'm a soul? I know I have a body, I can feel my body, that's here. I know if I'm overweight or underweight. No one's ever underweight, really, right? (laughs) We are all trying to lose some weight, but like, I see this body, what is my soul? How do I manage? How do I care for my, for my soul? And so we started using a diagram that I think is very, very helpful. We've been talking about it with our staff. It's from Dallas Willard's study of renovation of the heart. And he breaks down the soul into multiple layers. He starts at the very core of who you are, which is what we wanna talk about a little bit today, which is our heart. Everyone say heart. Your heart, scripture says, above all else guard your heart for it's the wellspring of life. We're not talking about the muscle that pumps blood to your body. We're talking about your heart, which is the core of you. And other words that would be associated would be will and spirit. You have a spirit. Your spirit is any area of you that's the non-physical part of you. We live in a world that loves spiritual things, but not everything that's spiritual is good. It has to be surrendered. It has to be renovated. But from the heart, he would say, part of your soul is your mind. And your mind would be your your thoughts and your feelings. Next week, I'm gonna talk all about this. Because some of us, we don't like the way we're feeling, but the only way you're gonna change the way you feel is by changing the way you think. And so we need to renew our mind. But then he says, it's your body, which is this third layer, which I think is so important. Part of the reason why on our wilderness we, we take some time to hike is because we want our body to be submitted to our will. See, exercise is not just about vanity. Exercise is about sanity. This morning I got up and I ran six miles and I wasn't just running so that I could have good cholesterol, I'm running that I might be a good husband. I'm running that I might raise some good kids. I'm running to declare, (laughs) I'm not gonna let this body dictate my heart. See, if we're gonna discover where we are today, we're gonna have to realize that you as a human being are far more complex than you give yourself credit. Like, you're way more complex than whatever New Year's resolutions you put down. You're much more dynamic than your Instagram feed. You're far more valuable than whatever your job title is and what your bank account says today. You are a soul. This next layer, Dallas would say, goes to your relationships. And I would use words like, your relationships could suggest anything of your family of origin, the family you were born into, or your family of choice, the community of people that you put around you. I don't think about it much, but the people around me are shaping and forming my soul. And this outer layer, Dallas would say, is the soul, that, that all of these things overlapping and intertwined are the soul. The soul is every one of these things. And soul care is figuring out how to get these things integrated and working well together. But many of us if we're ever gonna begin to understand how to get into what God's called us to do, we're gonna have to begin right here at the heart, the will and the spirit. Last week, we looked at Matthew 22. Let me read you Matthew 22, but let me read it out of Luke's gospel, Luke chapter 10, verse 27. This is what Jesus says is the greatest command. Because as I start this year, I want God's will in my life, but I'll never get God's will if I don't obey his way. And here's his way. He says, he answered, this is the greatest. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Notice what Jesus is doing here. Jesus is teaching on a very, very deep level. He says, you wanna know what the greatest commandment is? It's what we were singing. I wanna give you everything, God. Everything is my soul. Love God with all your heart. That's your will in your spirit. Love God with your soul, your entire being, your relationships, submit all of that over to God. With all your strength, that's your body. With all your mind, when you get that order right, now it's gonna put you in a healthy place as you secure your mask before the plane crashes. Now you can go and love other people the same way you are looking after you. Soul care is not selfishness, soul care is stewardship. Can I get a big amen out there? Come on, somebody put their hands together today. And so what we're talking about today is we're talking about where are you? Where are you? I don't wanna talk to you about spiritual practices until we talk about your heart, your heart. And what I'm learning that I think is so fascinating is that you will never understand redemption if you don't first understand creation. See, this command that Jesus gives is not a new command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, this is not something new. He's actually redeeming something very old. You and I were born and created to be in relationship with an almighty God. I firmly believe that anybody who's living today who has not surrendered life to Jesus, I don't care what it looks like on the outside, there is something on the inside that is disintegrated, that, that, that's, that's not working together, that's not actually fulfilling its purpose, because I was designed to give glory to God. And so if I'm ever gonna understand what Jesus came to redeem and restore, I actually have to know what the original state was all about. I have to understand creation before I can begin to even tell you about redemption. Here at Voo Church, we're doing redemption work. We're doing redeeming. The mission of Jesus is to go out to the lost and declare that you can be found. The mission of Jesus is to go find some people that feel dead and declare, no, you can be alive in Jesus. But what am I being restored to? You have to go to the very beginning of the story and discover what creation was all about. That as God is creating, remember, he, he's creating all these things and he finally gets to the sixth day and he looks at some dirt. And The scripture says that he breathes into the dirt and he forms, I love that, he forms man. Because we're talking about spiritual formation. What's the form of my soul? God formed man out of dirt, which I just find so beautifully like the allegory and the metaphor of that, like any area of your life today that feels dirty, any area of your life today that it doesn't seem like it's very valuable, understand that we serve a God that He can breathe on dirt and He can form life. The dirty areas of our life, if we'll surrender it to God, He can breathe on it with the power of His Spirit, and that which we believed was dead was actually lying dormant. It can begin to grow, it can begin to flourish. And Adam is formed. First man, just walking around, and God's like, yo, dude, you're going to work. Uh, work has always been biblical. Work doesn't ever stop. In fact, we're gonna get to heaven, and be like, I can't wait to retire. Well, you don't get to retire in heaven. There's jobs in heaven. <laughs> and Adam is commissioned to name animals. Now, I don't know how long it takes to name all the animals, but Adam was out there working, naming stuff, rhinoceros, giraffe platypus, cat, dog, bee. I've always laughed, it's like, you know this was a man naming these animals. Because guys, we start strong, but we get tired. That's not a name of an animal, that's a letter in the alphabet, homie. Somebody get this dude to help her quick, he needs a woman in his life. And what does God do? God says, it's not good for man to be alone. Puts old boy to sleep and from his side, he takes part of his rib and he forms Eve. Women are to walk alongside a man, not beneath, not above, alongside the man to help in the work of the Lord. Bro, you need some help naming these animals. You need some help taking care of this garden. In February, Dawn and I are gonna give an entire collection to team preaching regarding marriage and relationships because we need to redeem the original state and the creation and the origin story of why God designed us and how he designed us to co-labor together, not to suppress, not to use power against each other, but to accomplish something good in the earth. Two are better than one. One can put a 1,000 to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Pity the man who falls and has no one to help him up. When I fall, I got my rib coming to help me up. Sometimes I just call her my mick rib. <laughs> and they begin to work together. But then there's this beautiful verse in Genesis that God would walk with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day in the garden. There's this other verse that one of these days I need to give it a true treatment because it's actually so encouraging and beautiful. As I say it right now, it almost kind of lands in a weird way, but the scripture says that they were naked and felt no shame. Someone said amen. (laughs) You say, why do you bring that up? It's because before sin enters into the garden, before sin begins to enter into the heart, Man would walk in perfect relationship with God, naked and no shame, nothing to hide, nothing to cover up, no insecurity, no fear, complete transparency, complete vulnerability. This is who I am. But God, remember, he has one rule. Someone say one rule. He has one rule, which is do not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, but rather eat from the tree of life there's just one rule, like just one. But how many all know when you break a rule, it just creates more rules. All the parents know this, right? Like as soon as your child breaks a rule, you have to give them more rules. And so rules grow out of sin. God only had one rule, don't eat from that tree. Just don't eat from that tree. Trust me, I will provide for you. I'm the one who gives you the garden. Trust me, walk in relationship. You want my will, obey my way. My way is I wanna provide. I just want you to receive. You don't have to initiate. You don't have to, all you have to do is obey and I will provide for you. But one day Eve is just walking through the garden, just doing what she's doing, you know, just looking at tree, my goodness, look at these trees. And the snake comes out. EVE, how you doing? (laughs) What, is she a rough rider now? You know, like. (laughs) And how does he tempt? Did God really say not to eat from this tree? Don't you know if you eat from this tree, you will become like God? See, this is the heart of all sin. We, We get so confused on sin and people have such a negative connotation because they feel like the church is labeling them or yelling at them or condemning them. But truly the heart of sin is my desire to take the place of God. I don't wanna submit. I don't wanna surrender. I do not want to obey. What does Eve do? She she eats the fruit. Adam walks up, sees his wife naked eating fruit. Why would you not participate? Come on, like, like, everyone's like, Adam's an idiot. Yeah, me too, bro. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, I'm in, you know, like, what's up, you know? I'm I'm down, I'm I'm down for the cause. What are we eating, you know? And so um, with it, sin enters the the entire circumstance. and, And with it, the depravity of man begins. The ruining of a soul, the disintegration of the mind, the body, the will, it all begins to, break apart. John Calvin, the great reformed preacher, he said it this way. He says, the surest source of destruction to men is to obey themselves, to, to obey themselves. And in this moment that they eat this fruit, the first sin only perpetuates more sin. You're like, Rich, I don't really get it. Wait, like, so eating fruit is what's messed up my soul. It's not the act of eating fruit. It's the act of not trusting God. It's the act of removing God from his rightful position that begins to deteriorate the condition of my soul. My soul is trying to integrate all of these things, but sin shatters my soul, and sin ruins my soul, and it begins to disintegrate the very fiber of what it means to be a human being. That's why as you study it, it's amazing, right? Because it's like, Two chapters in, creation is beautiful. Wow, look at this garden. Look at this loving God who walks with his creation. Look at the beauty of a man and a woman walking naked and no shame and having authority and having dominion. But it's just two chapters in before the creation begins to malfunction. Like it's just chapter three, bro, here we go. And notice, right, like I always say it this way, the first sin's eating fruit. What's the second sin? Homicide. The children of Adam and Eve, Cain kills his brother, why? Because unaddressed sin doesn't get better, it gets worse. And what does every human being inherit from great-grandma and grandpa Adam and Eve? That when we sin, what do we do? We do what they did, we try to hide. Ha, 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 let me find some leaves or some animals with clothes. I'm naked, what am I doing out here naked? (laughs) I'm good, blessed and highly favored. How you doing? We start to hide the condition of our soul. Listen to me, God can't heal that which you hide. Adam, where are you? We're hiding. Excuse me? Hiding. Not a good hider, by the way, you know. God has to come and find him and says, why are you hiding? It's because we ate the fruit because we, we obeyed ourselves instead of you. What I'm trying to get at is that every one of us, the starting point to spiritual formation, the starting point of surrendering our heart over to God is the recognition that our soul has been ruined. That our soul is completely damaged, that sin ruined us, it, it disintegrated us, it, it, it separated us, it shattered us. Some of us, we have these little Pinterest slogans like trust your heart, man, really? Because Jeremiah said this about my heart, about my will. He says, the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? But we just kind of keep putting it on graphics, trust it. Not if it hasn't been renovated, not if it hasn't been surrendered, not if it hasn't been redeemed. And see, this is what I firmly believe in. I believe that resolutions without renovation are worthless. And so I'm, I'm grateful that you're here and I want to inspire and I wanna motivate you for 2023 and I wanna declare happy, healthy, holy over you. And I can't wait to get to next week's message and I can't wait to get to the fourth week's message. But if I'm gonna be honest with you, I have to start here. Do you know where you are? Do you know how bad the news is? You're ruined from the inside out with Jesus. We're completely shattered. We're completely separated and we desperately need help. Our heart is deceitful. Our will. Sin has got in and it's enslaved our will. It has formed our spirit away from God and it goes back to our own evil desires. Look at what Psalm says. Psalm chapter 14. This sounds a lot like Romans chapter 3. The Lord looks down from heaven on all mankind. That's everyone. That's all of us. To see if there are any who understand. Any who seek God. All have turned away. All have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. Not even one. See you next week, church. Like, not very encouraging. Pretty scary, pretty heavy, pretty dark. But if we're being honest, just think about it. Think about when you're watching the news. I find it fascinating how shocked and outraged we become when we see bad things happen on the news. Oh my God, I cannot believe they did that. The reason why we're so shocked is because we're not aware of where human beings really are if they haven't been surrendered over to Jesus. The soul has been ruined. We ought to find it shocking when something good happens. Whoa, there's some redemption at work in the earth. Some of us today, we need to come to terms with the reality that sin has left us ruined. And in ruining us, the best metaphor I can give you is that we are lost. We're lost. And let me try to put it this way. Lostness is not the same as the outcome to which it leads. This is where I think the church at times gets a little bit shallow with the teaching. I keep using this word binary. It's It's just one or the other. Many times we think that lostness just means heaven or hell, and it certainly does, but lostness is not the same as to the outcome which it leads. It, it's, it's not so much about the destination as much as it's about the condition. It's not just a cosmic threat, it's a spiritual diagnosis. If I have a car and the engine stops working, how many of you know, it doesn't matter if it's in my driveway or the junkyard. The reality of it is, is that the whole idea of it being lost, not being able to be used makes it useless. Being lost comes down to this simple idea of here and now, right now, that I've been omitted, that I have no value to bring to the story. It's not that I'm not valuable, it's just that I'm lost. This is what Jesus teaches in Luke chapter 15. He says, a woman, she loses one coin, and what does she do? She turns the whole house upside down looking for that one coin. Why? Because the coin is lost, but the coin is lost doesn't mean the coin is worthless. It just means that it has no value to bring until it's discovered, until it's found. She's got to go on a mission to rescue it. Sin doesn't make us worthless, but useless. And we've got to talk in this terminology a little bit more. That if my heart has not been renovated, I don't care how many resolutions you make, what good is it to paint the house if the foundation is corrupt? Some of y'all have been there before, right? It's like, we're just gonna keep painting the room. The room needs to be renovated. And as we start this year, what a tragedy it would be to keep looking at everyone else around you and say, hey, hey, trust me. I know where I'm going. It's funny, because if you start asking some people in your life, they'll be like, "Brah, you are going the wrong way. Don't go chasing waterfalls. Please stick to the rivers and the lake. Because if I don't recognize where I am, then I'm never going to get to where I'm intended to be. I say this because it's so important that as a church, we have the proper foundation and the proper teaching regarding the condition of our soul. When we say the world is lost, we don't just mean that they're going to end up in hell. No, that's, that's, that's the destination. Their current condition is separated and useless. And we want to invite them into the story of God of redemption to get back to the creation account. That's what Jesus came for. See, I'll never appreciate the good news until I first understand the bad news. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift. Someone say, but the gift. But the gift of God is eternal life. Look at what Ezekiel prophesied way back in chapter 36, he said, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from you your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. This is one of my favorite Old Testament prophecies about the redemptive work of Jesus, because what it does is, is it puts the emphasis not on you, but on Jesus. See, the gospel doesn't make me proud of me, the gospel makes me proud of Jesus. Because notice how many times the scripture says, I, 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 I. What do we contribute to our salvation story? We contribute a surrendered heart full of sin. But as soon as we do that, the grace and mercy of God invades our life, begins to renovate, takes our heart of stone, replaces it with a heart of flesh, puts in us brand new desires. God gets the glory. And the more you follow Jesus beyond salvation, you step into this word called sanctification, where this process of his spirit fills you. It's not your spirit leading, it's his spirit leading. At the deepest part of who I am, the core of who I am, my heart, my will has been completely surrendered to God and with it now, my desires begin to change. Just do, I, some of you are fasting right now. Man, I miss bread. Seven days in, pray for your boy. God, I need it, I need it, I need it. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Um, we, we start eating clean. And what happens when you eat clean for a while? You just eat clean for 21 days. What you'll do is you could go down to McDonald's and someone could offer it to you, but you might put it in your mouth. And if you've eaten clean for 21 days, that thing could make you sick. You taste it. I don't, I don't even want that anymore. This is what happens with a renovated heart that you begin to say, oh, my desires have actually changed. I used to love my sin, but now I cringe at my sin, not because I'm so afraid, but because my desires have so changed. See, Jesus came on a rescue mission to redeem. When he gives you this command, love me with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, it's not a new one, it's a redemptive one. This is what you were created to do. So whatever you're doing right now, if you're not doing that, it will not satisfy, it will not lead you to a place of happiness, health, and holiness. I wonder as a church, what would happen if you and I started to see the world, not just with the eternal destination mind, major driver, but what if we started to see people going, they're lost, they're not happy, they're not healthy, they're not holy. And Jesus says, I've come with a plan to redeem you. It's gonna be my life for your life. I will die so you don't have to. I'll pay the price for your sins so you don't have to. But when it comes to God and when it comes to soul care, what I've learned is that many times people, the starting point for our heart to be renovated is, is to repent. Repentance is about renovation. Repentance is about recognizing I'm coming out of hiding. I ate the fruit. My soul is disintegrated, I've come out of hiding, I can't do this on my own, I need you to fill me. But a lot of people, they don't actually want real forgiveness, they just wanna get out of trouble. This is Hosea chapter seven, good verses for us to go back to, and God speaks through his prophet, he says, woe to them, who's them? It's us, it's people today, it's the prophecy exists for you and I, woe to them, woe to people, because they've strayed from me destruction to them because they have rebelled against me. I long, here's the word, to redeem, to renovate. I long to redeem them, but they speak about me falsely. They do not cry out to me from their hearts, but wail on their beds. They slash themselves appealing to their gods for grain and new wine, but they turn away from me picture he says that there's a lot of people that cry out and they complain about their condition but they're unwilling to surrender and repent from their heart from their heart in week two of our collection I know it's a bit heavy but it's 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 in order for holiness to erupt in our house God is not to be played with he's not a guru he's God God is not mean, but He is dangerous. I think sometimes it's like people like today, it's like, man, the church and God, man, full of rules, bro. Crazy. God's always putting rules on my life. It's kind of like interesting, though, isn't it? Because, like, if you go to a nuclear power plant, what are the rules? (laughs) Quickly tell me. Yeah, there's going to be rules at the nuclear power plant. Don't sit there, bro. You ain't gonna wanna touch that, okay? (laughs) Put a helmet on. Why? Because the nuclear power plant isn't mean, but it is dangerous. And a holy God is not mean, but he's dangerous. He's not one to play with, he has a plan. But if you're ever gonna get that will to show up in your life, it will require you to obey his way. He doesn't have rules to limit you, he has rules to free you. He doesn't have rules to oppress you. He has rules to protect you. Come on. He doesn't have rules to hurt you. He has rules to save you. Somebody make a little bit of noise today. He's got a plan, a plan to save and redeem your soul. He wants to change you this year. He wants to make you happy. He wants to make you healthy, wants to make you holy, but you got to do it his way. You can't just complain every day about what's going on about the condition. You can't just wail from your bed. You have to cry out from your heart. God, I recognize that this heart of mine is ruined. It's not that we need Jesus to come and do a little makeover. God, I need you to do a takeover of my life. I surrender my sin. My sin hasn't left me just being a bad person. It's left me dead and disintegrated. I am no longer human. <laughs> a body and my mind and my heart, and my relationships, they're separate. And I don't know how to fight these battles. And so here comes Jesus. Jesus says, I have a plan. And here is why I came. I came to restore, to bring something back to the original state. Mark chapter eight, we're gonna close with this as the, as the team comes up. I got way too much message today, I knew it, but next week we'll get there. Mark chapter eight, verse 34, this is where we land. Jesus, he calls the crowd to him along with his disciples and says, whoever wants to be my disciple, whoever wants to be my apprentice, whoever wants to intern in the church of Jesus Christ, listen, you must, they must deny themselves take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for someone to gain the whole world yet forfeit their soul? Certainly talking about heaven and hell, but also talking about the here and now. What good is it to gain all the accolades, all the rewards, to look the part? But the reality of it is that your soul is ruined. What good is it to live life projecting happiness but not actually have inner happiness? What good is it to project that I'm holy and I know God but you don't know God? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? Your soul is of immense worth. It's who you are. It's the real you. And notice, it's not my outline, it's Jesus' outline. He says, do you wanna know my plan of redemption? Do you wanna know my plan of renovation? Do you wanna know what I wanna do in your life? Here it is came to save you. Here's how I'm going to save you. Number one is you have to deny yourself. Loaded concept. People get this wrong all the time. Self-denial is not self-rejection. Rejection Rejection is one of the worst things that can happen to a human being. And sometimes it happens by by we do it to ourselves. We're not talking about rejecting ourselves. We're talking about bringing our entire life under the lordship of God. We live in a world today, come on like this, this is more potent and relevant today than it's ever been. We live in a world that's obsessed with self. Gotta take 42 pictures to get one and the picture is of no one else but me. (laughs) After it's been Photoshopped, (laughs) after it's been corrected and filtered, it's, this is the selfie generation. And let's not be like all hard on like Gen, you know, Gen Z and millennials. Like, I don't, dude, if you're 65 in this room, what? next time someone brings you a group photo, where do your eyes go first? Yeah. Whoa, I look bad. It, it, you look right to you. Why? Because the heart is deceitful. The heart is self-obsessed. And so I have to deny myself. One of the beautiful things about how God has created this world that he He has a beautiful divine order. I think marriage is part of his divine order. not saying that everyone has to be married. I wrote an entire book about singleness and it's not what I'm going at, but it's beautiful how God will bring people into our lives to remove and discard the selfishness from our lives. I'm 38, got three little kids, been married to the same woman for 16 years. It's funny because we do family pictures every year and guess, guess who is last on the totem pole of what they look like in the family picture? Dad, we don't care what dad looks like. It's about those kids. It's about my wife. It's God's divine order of ridding me of myself because when I am at the center, when I am at the top, God is not placed in his proper order. He says, deny yourself, but he says this, he says, take up your cross. The cross was an instrument for execution. And it was the Romans' favorite way to put a prisoner or a criminal to exert their power over that person, that as they carry their cross, I mean, there's nothing more submissive than this, that I'm not just gonna die, but I am actually submitting over to the authority at hand. carrying your cross is not an occasional thing, it's a daily thing. So Jesus doesn't just say, deny yourself one time at the altar, do that at the start of the year and then we'll see you again next year. It doesn't just say, join us for Christmas or join us for Easter. No, it's a daily decision. I deny myself, but then I take up my cross and I'm carrying that cross until one day I am brought before an all righteous God. And I am declaring to a world that I am not living for my own self-gratification. I'm not living out of my body and my desires, but rather I am submitting myself over the Lordship of Jesus. And I want you to write this down because this has been sticking with me for the last two weeks when I read it by Dallas Willard. He said it this way, Dallas Willard said, being dead to self is the condition where the mere fact that I do not get what I want does not surprise or offend me and has no control over me. This is how I give my heart to God. Deny yourself, take up your cross. And lastly, what does he say? He says, follow me, follow Jesus. Follow Jesus, follow him. Following Jesus is not like a three-step course. You know, I don't go to class, I'm like, no, I'm a follower. Like following Jesus means following him. You're like, Rich, I don't really know what does that look like? Well, I think practically, that means you have to be with Jesus That's why next week, we're gonna start talking about some of these spiritual practices. That's why we're offering spiritual practices to you this week, 21 days of prayer and fasting. Prayer is how you spend time with Jesus. I'm glad that you're in the company of saints today. I'm glad that you're here in church watching online, but we have to learn how to just be with Jesus. This is why we practice things like silence, why we practice things like solitude, because I'm getting alone with my maker. I wanna follow him. And if I'm gonna follow him, I have to actually be with him. I have to to learn from Jesus. That's why we study the Word of God. That's why today, it's not just my own ideas, but it comes from the Word of God because God's Word begins to cleanse my heart. God's Word begins to form the way that I see the world. I start to learn from Jesus, but then as I begin to live this out, I start to see the world the way that Jesus sees the world. But then lastly, to follow Jesus, you have to do what Jesus did. You have to do what he did. What did he do? He forgave. He served. He gave generously. At some point, the fruit begins to show up because as I follow him, I look more like him. Do you know where you are today? Do you know where you are today? I'm gonna preach about your mind next week. But man, if you don't actually start with this fundamental truth that without Jesus, I'm ruined, like he didn't come to enhance your life, he came to replace your life. Do you know where you are? Over the holidays, I went uh, to visit my parents. They live up in North Miami. And I went and visited the uh, Aventura Mall. And I hadn't been to the Aventura Mall like in five or six years. And yo, these, they've been renovating. They've been expanding. This place is, I might vacation next year at the Aventura Mall. Like I got a timeshare here. How large is this place? And I used to know that mall pretty good in high school, kind of getting around it. But now, bro, I mean, they've added wings and it's big and it's massive. And we were getting ready to leave and I couldn't find how to get home. I'm so grateful that the mall has this big map. And as you go to the big map, it doesn't just tell me where everything is. The most important thing it does is it has a little red dot and it says, you are here. Because if I don't know where I am, I'm never gonna be able to get back to my car. And I thought today, before we sing, before we worship, I thought today some of us, you say, but Rich, I don't know where I am. This is what I love about our God. You might not know where you are, but he knows where you are. Have you ever heard of the distress symbol, SOS? This is a distress symbol that when someone gets so lost, when someone cannot find their way, if they're deserted, if they're left on an island, they're taught to put out this distress symbol, SOS. I'm lost. Can someone help me? I, I don't have the strength to save myself. I don't have the strength to get off this deserted island. I'm in the woods, the thunder's raging, the lightning's coming, it's raining. SOS, SOS. What I love about SOS is that the acronym, although it wasn't originally started that way, it is now culturally known as the simple phrase, which means save our soul. I think today, week two of our collection, happy, healthy, holy, if you would be honest with yourself, some of you today, you need to put a distress signal towards heaven. You need to say, SOS, God, save my soul. I need to be saved, I need to be rescued. I've gotten off the path. I don't know how to get back home, but God, I trust that you are good and merciful and you love me and you will come and find me. I can't find you, but you can find me. Stand to your feet all over this place, city all over this room today, why don't you just lift your hands towards heaven. We're just gonna sing this song. I asked the team just to sing verse two, because I still get caught up in the future. And sometimes I get worried, but today is not a message for the new person, it's the message for the old person. Because God, I wanna love you this year with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. Not a new commandment, but something very old that needs to be redeemed. So God, I offer up once again SOS, God save my soul. I don't just want some good tips and I don't want some good principles. I need to be redeemed and I need to be restored. And so I surrender the inner parts of who I am over to you.
0: Thank you for listening to today's message. At VU, we believe we weren't meant to do life alone. We've been created with a unique purpose and designed to live in relationship with Jesus. If you've never surrendered your life to him, we wanna create an opportunity for you to do so today. If you wanna say yes to Jesus, would you pray this with me? Dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I trust you with my past. I ask that you guide me in my present, and I even place my future in your hands. I'm yours, Lord, now and forever. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made the decision to follow Jesus today, we want to partner with you in the next steps of your faith journey. Go to voochurch.com online. We love you.